Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Doran Dickerson here, Pat Bostick, Jeff Hathorne, Nicholas Harry Callis behind the guys. Callis, how are you doing today? We haven't heard from you. I wanted to talk about Lanny a little bit, but you guys had your own stories, so I figure. Let's talk about Lanny. Yeah. Wow. What, what do you got? I feel bad. Give us a Lanny Frateri from Nicholas Callis from your perspective. Uh, one time uh, in sports announcing camp, this was before I went there, but he would hold these sports announcing camps for high school prospects. And he's giving us the rules of baseball and basketball and how to score them. And his phone starts ringing. <laughs> and he goes, oh, it's Jimmy Leland. And he silences his phone. And we're like, no, answer it. I'm like, answer Jim Leland. And he's like, no, nah, I'll call him later. I talk to him all the time. And we were just so impressed. It was crazy. You know when he said Name that? Name drop right You know when he said that? You know, we were just doing some movie lines in the break when he goes, it's one time at broadcasting camp, I was thinking, it's one time at band camp? Yeah, one time at band camp. He has no clue what that Didn't is. Didn't know Cal- where you were Cal- going. Cal- Cal- you have no never clue seen American talking. Pie? No. He was probably, I think he was born the year it came oh. out. I think it came out, what, 98? You were born in 98, right? I was. Yeah, I think it came out in 98. Well, that's a shame. It's a good movie. I'm Lanny for Terry. He's got a great voice. Man. He does. He has a great voice. Had a good time with Smooth. him over the weekend. He was a great guy. Great guy. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net. You know, it, you have to make the right moves at the right time, and especially whenever you uh, know that you're on the verge and you're right there and you have a good nu- nucleus intact, in but you have to make the right moves. And whenever you have a star player, and we saw it last night, uh, and this is why I think that the Buffalo Bills probably – need to sit and assess to see if they need to go in a different direction of their leadership of Sean McDermott. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Do you really think that he's going to get you to that point? And the Baltimore Ravens, they did that this offseason. You know, they they played the waiting game a little bit to pay Lamar Jackson. Uh, they obviously had loyalty t- towards him. Why wouldn't you? He's Lamar Jackson. You know, he's been an MVP before, and he just – he changes a way that defensive coordinators, uh, you know, have to approach the week when they played the Baltimore. It, you know, it is what it is. Like, he is a dynamic football player that can take over a game at any moment. But his game was to a level that needed to get over that hump. And the Baltimore Ravens knew they had the asset of Lamar Jackson. They paid him the money, but they brought in a quality coordinator to take his game to another level. And that that's what that's what successful teams do. Um, Lamar Jackson played at a, I mean, all year long. And you know, the whole team, the whole Baltimore Ravens uh, football team, they played at a high level. Um, it was 10-10 at halftime against Houston uh, this this weekend. And, you know, you, you knew that Houston was going to give a fight because they were there for a reason. They have a good young nucleus in place. But it was men versus boys uh, the second half. And Lamar Jackson took over. He did his thing. And the Baltimore Ravens are for real. Now they're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs uh, this coming weekend. But I, I just – they made the right moves necessary. And are the Steelers going to make those right moves? But let's stick with Baltimore right now uh, in comparison of the Steelers. Uh, Lamar Jackson, it, you know, he's just it, – it, can this be his year? Can he get through Patrick Mahomes whenever it's all said and done, really? Listen, Greg, Greg Roman led them to be an MVP. They had some really good stats, some really good numbers, and you could play off, well, it was the injuries are the reason that, that they couldn't advance in the postseason. If it wasn't for the injuries, we would have been. But they looked at it. They, you know what? With this offense, we're not going to get where we want to be. We don't. We're not going to get to the ultimate goal, and that's a risky change. They went out and got Mon- Monken and uh, Todd Monken and 
he looks like a different dude. I, I didn't – I mean, you saw it in Louisville that he could throw the football, but he looks like a near elite yeah. passing quarterback now. He does. I mean, it's statistically, you know, he's completing a high percentage of his passes, the highest in his career, 67.2. Would have been 70 if not for the he's averaging game. He's averaging eight yards per – Per completion, per per attempt, which is the highest of his career. 24 touchdowns, 7 picks. Rivals really his 2019 MVP season where he threw 36 touchdowns, 6 picks. You know, he's running the ball, running the ball better than uh, – or as good as he always has. I mean, he's still approaching 1,000 yards rushing. I mean, they're, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with, and they're playing at home. So, should be very – be a hell of a ball game. If it, Put it this way, if – if Baltimore gets off to the start, they got off to against Houston, I don't like their chances. If they get off to the start they did against San Francisco, they're, they're, like a, they're like a snowball. They get rolling, they can beat you a thousand different ways. And they've got the full complement of special teams. Tucker's obviously one of the best kickers in NFL history. I know everyone in Pittsburgh loves him. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, that defense has always been good. So... Interesting stat. I mean, he's been sacked 37 times this year, Lamar, and that that'll be an interesting matchup with Kansas City because that's that's the second most sacks he's 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 given up in his career. Do you th- do you think that's on him or the offensive line? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I think he's trying to be more of a passer in this offense and be a little bit more judicious with when he runs um, to protect himself. Obviously, just got that contract too, so I um that would be an interesting thing to watch with 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 Jones and. And this Kansas City pass rush. But how many times is that maturity, too, where I'll take the sack instead of risking a pick? Yeah, no question. You know? No question. No question. Um, it'd be a hell of a chess match. I think defensively what impresses me about Baltimore is they didn't buy into the, well, middle linebackers really don't matter anymore. Right. No. They've, they've been built that way for three decades. Middle linebackers matter with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, whenever Patrick Queen or not Patrick Queen, whenever Roquan Smith was on, uh, you know, wanted traded, wanted out of Chicago, I was like, if the Steelers don't make a phone call here, uh, they're doing a disservice. Knowing how the linebacker position was for the Steelers last year with Devin Bush and Miles Jack, like I was like, if there is a Steeler linebacker out there, it is Roquan Smith, and then the Ravens get him, and then they get better, and then they obviously, you know, they they enhance their defensive line. They always relied on the way they played defense. Um, I don't think they've done well with surrounding Lamar Jackson with top, top-tier talent. I mean, OBJ, you know, he's an older wide receiver. Obviously, Mark Andrews is, is going to be healthy now. Uh, you do have young Zay Flowers. But, I mean, think if he had like a Devontae Adams or something. Think if he had, a, you know, a, like a, a Stephon Diggs. If, so if, if Lamar Jackson is in the Bills' offense with Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, uh, even Gabe Davis at times, I mean, that's a whole different football team. Here's the difference between the Ravens and Steelers now, and they're both great organizations. The Ravens now are to a point where if they see something wrong, they just make the change. Right. They don't wait for it to change. They make the change, and that's why they are where they're at. There's no doubt. There's no doubt, and they invested in Lamar Jackson. I mean, it was was going a couple different directions there. We weren't sure if he was going to stay there. And they built the whole thing around him. And then build an offense to where he won't get killed. Yep. No question. And, th- and then that's the biggest thing, obviously, at the quarterback position. I mean, it, we talked about it earlier. It's like we, the Steelers need to bolster their offensive line. And whatever the way they configure it, whether way they go into draft or they go in free agency, it all starts up front. 
I mean, it all starts up front, and you need you need that that leader on the offensive line, your center, to really be able to take over things. Like, I mean, you know, when Pouncey was playing, like Pouncey gets a lot of credit um, for the way he played, but I don't think he gets enough credit for the identification that he would do at the line that took the onus off of Ben. And and here's the thing I'll, I'll say too about Lamar is, I mean, imagine as great as Mahomes is him doing this without Kelsey. Well, Lamar's doing this without Andrews, who is yep. Kelsey. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the name because he doesn't do all the commercials, but he's as good as Travis Kelsey. He's he's as versatile. I mean, he's everywhere for them. And with all the boots and, and nakeds they want to run off run action, he's as big a part of their offense as Kelsey is in Kansas City. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Coming up next, there's a team that I feel bad for, and there's a team I feel great for. Uh, that played this past weekend. We'll uh, hit on those next. Good morning show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Thorne Dickerson here, Pat Bostic, Jeff Hathorn, Nicholas Harry Callis. Callis, are you in tomorrow? I am not. You're not. I was thinking about talking about some baseball tomorrow, so. Oh, oh man. Boo. Oh, man. Terrible. Yeah, I know you like talking about your baseball, so maybe we'll bring it back. MLB but... The Show covers. Yes, MLB The Show covers. Different bats that uh, players used in the 90s. Louisville Slugger. You a slugger guy, Callis? I used uh, – I wanted to use a wooden bat in college, but my coach wasn't for it. But, I, yeah, I, Louisville Slugger was my brand. What was, your, what was your pre-pitch routine at, in the batter's box? You tap the, you tap the home plate? No, I never tapped home plate. I'd always slide my back foot gently next to the back line of the batter's box as I always stayed in the back. I always wanted to give myself more time to, you know, watch the pitch come in. And then, yeah, just slide my right foot on that uh, line of the batter's box and then wide stance. Wide stance? going to get in. You a contact hitter or are you a power guy? Contact. Okay. How many home runs do you think you hit in your life? In my life? Yes. Inside and outside the park? Outside. 11. Wow. That's okay. pretty exact. Okay. No, I, remember. I remember them all. I still have all of my home run balls on uh, on a shelf in my house. I hit nine in Little League, one in Pony League, and one in a full Colt League. Nice. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Stud. Love it. Love it. Stan Morning Show Twitter poll brought to you by P.J. Fitzpatrick Home Improvement. TrustPJ.com. Pat. There is a team uh, that played this weekend that I feel absolutely sorry for, and there's a team that I am absolutely happy uh, that they won. The team that I feel sorry for is the Green Bay Packers. I do. I, you know, the, watching them against the Steelers and seeing where they're at now, it's Come like a long day. way, man. A long way. And th- th- to me, that that's coaching. Um, that's getting guys and putting guys in the right situation. And then you can't ignore the fact that, I mean, they're the youngest team, uh, rostered team in the NFL. Yep. You can't ignore the fact that Jordan Love is for real. I mean, he's for real. And he can make all the throws. Um, he's, a, he's a great talent. And we talked about this a little bit last week. It's just, you know, you go from Favre to Rodgers and to Love and sitting behind a, a, a quarterback that is a veteran quarterback that plays at a high level. I think it's very beneficial for young players. Um, even though Rodgers is Rodgers, I don't know how much Love maybe have learned from him uh, but on the field, I'm sure he learned a lot. But it just – I feel bad for them because it seemed like they had that game and then he makes a couple throws and obviously threw the pick at the end that, uh, you know, really put the 49ers over them. But I feel bad for them. And, and, and the context of that, I mean, for a couple of years, 
fans tortured their management. Why are you drafting a quarterback? Why didn't you get a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? What are you doing? This guy stinks. And then LaFleur had to hear, ah, you're only good because Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback. So they were able to show, A, this was a good pick. LaFleur was able to kind of exonerate himself like, you know what, I'm not a bad coach. Look at how this team has improved and how this offense is now moving under Jordan Love. So, yeah, it was a really good year for Green Bay. And, damn, they – I mean, imagine if they would have pulled off both those upsets to go into Dallas, double-digit dogs, yep. and then go into San Francisco, double-digit dogs, and they almost won that one, too. You talked about it earlier, though, that they allowed him to make mistakes, right? They allowed him to make yep. mistakes, and he, he certainly did. That that was a, you know, his first and 10. Uh, they had two timeouts left, just 52 seconds remaining, and you throw, throw it deep over the middle and get picked off. He's trying to go win the game. Um, who's to say they don't go down there and score if, if he doesn't throw that pick, but – you know, his stats this year, almost 4,200 yards, 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. And Green Bay, if there's ever a template on how to handle the quarterback position, they've done it now twice in a row mm-hmm. with Favre to Rodgers and then Rodgers to Love, where they give that two- to three-year buffer of time to learn. And obviously, the Steelers tried to do it with Mason. But it, it it didn't work, it didn't work out, and that and that was a long shelf life for for Mason to have to 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 hang on for. But they transitioned out of out of, you know, Rodgers was drafted in what year? Gosh, two thousand four. Four? No. Five. Five. Yeah. Two thousand five. He's starting by oh eight. You know that two to three year window. It works, and the same thing happened in Kansas City. Alex Smith to Mahomes. You know, as I sit here and and I put myself in LaFleur's shoes, um, we talked about that last sequence, uh, you know, of what Jordan Love did. He tried to win the game, obviously through an interception. I can live with that if I'm a head coach. I, I, I really can. Like, I, obviously, you want to win the football game. Um, you built your way up to, to that point. You had a, a dominating win, win against the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and you have the San Francisco 49ers who are a heavy favorite, uh, Super Bowl favorite. Um, you had them on the ropes. And you throw an interception, your quarterback, the ball's in his hands, and he tries to make a play. I can live with that because I know that the, now that I know that that's in there, like I, I I can build I can build around that. Like I, I know that they like I said they want to win the football game, and, and you're obviously upset and disappointed that you lose. But to see that he wanted to do that, and and to know where how much he's grown from, let's even say the Steeler game to this point, I can absolutely live with that going into the offseason. It stings a little bit, but I I know I have my guy. Well, I know I have my guy. You're at Green Bay. You mentioned the youngest team. I think the youngest team in a long time in the NFL, when you, when you look at their average age, you go into next year, like you're feeling I, – I know Detroit's in your division. I know Minnesota can kind of be up and down. The Bears might be better than they were. But, man, I mean, Green Bay is – Green Bay's set to – to rebuild this thing really quickly. Now, the team I feel obviously great for, my former team, and uh, yeah, messages, they get stale whenever you don't win. And messages only hit whenever it does produce Ws. Yep. Um, whenever Dan Campbell got the head coaching job at, at, in Detroit, biting kneecaps off, you know. Love it. Him just, you know, just so just, you know, putting himself out there and just being this raw, raw guy. I was like, I don't know how the, how well that's going to go over with the NFL players. I've seen it happen. Guys are raw, raw guys, and guys just don't respond. But guys will respond to anything if you win. 
and if they believe in the culture. And he's built a, a damn culture there that um, not only is he having his players believe, but that whole city is believing right now. And watching that game yesterday, it was like, wow. Like, you know, they, they, they have arrived and they know it. And, and good on them. Good on Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions by, you know, getting to this point because it almost seemed impossible that Detroit would ever be significant in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what was a, a kind of a powerful moment to watch was after the – I think it was after last week, Campbell gave a game ball to Brad Holmes, their GM, because they said they were going to bring in a certain type of player into Detroit. And even – I mean, I, I would not – I would not uh, – characterize Jared Goff as a Detroit player. You, you don't get right. this like fiery grit, but guy has a chip on his shoulder. Whew. He had a big chip playing playing the Rams, and he outplayed Stafford. I mean, they, they've got an underdog to him, and I, I love that. I, I love that. And I, I, think, I think they're kind of built to last, too. I mean, Goff's still young, relatively young. And, and shoot, I mean, that young Gibbs, that tailback – I mean, Montgomery's a good player. They've invested in both lines. Brown. They've Hutchinson's invested in ghost. Those receivers are tight end. Yeah, Brown's LaPorta. a really good player. Reynolds. I mean, I mean Reynolds. They're, they're damn good now, and they've been good all year. They've been good all. Just when you expect them to go and tank, and be the Detroit, you know, they don't. They've been good all year since the first game of the season, and that might be the Super Bowl. They beat Kansas City the first to open up the NFL season, and that might they're be the gonna Super beat Bowl. San Fran. That 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 they're might gonna, they're gonna beat San Fran. That might be the first time really? ever. That oh, yeah. might be the first time I'm on, ever. I'm on the Lions hype train. They're gonna beat San Fran. I don't hate that. Wow. They're gonna beat San Fran. Purdy but, doesn't like pressure, and they're gonna get after him now. I I, I don't I don't hate that. And, wow. and you know that that literally I don't know. I haven't looked at the stat, but that might be the first time ever in NFL history that the opening season game is the Super Bowl. Lions, Chiefs, Lions, Chiefs, and the Lions beat the Chiefs to open up the se- uh, open up the season. I Pat, I don't hate what you're saying. I'm kind of feeling it too. They I just have like, something. I kind of like both road teams in this these games. They just have something. Mm. Mm. Ben, ben Johnson's done a really nice job with that offense, and and kind of taking that mindset, that grit mindset, and building it into a system that works. Yep. Now you have to have. Port is a really good tight end. You have to have players that are able to execute it, but man, I mean, it, it's one thing to kind of say all that, but then he designed something, and, and Aaron Glenn's done a nice job defensively for them as their DC, and they they have good coaches. I, don't, I can't imagine players. what Dan was like as a player, um, but it seemed like he'd be the, off, man. The, the same guy that we see now, just with shorter hair. Yeah, with shorter hair. I mean, you know, you could just feel it, and you could feel his energy, and and. You know, he, he brings a lot of former players on his staff, uh, you know, as uh, as coaches. And I think that that matters, as we talked about last week. But uh, they've really got something going there. And good on them. Good on them. It's about time, right? Coming up next, you brought up somebody, Pat, just a second ago that we're going to see in the championship games this coming weekend. But is he a product of his environment? That's the question I want to ask. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's card of the week from Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry. Contest runs Every Wednesday through Friday at 12 p.m. at the 937thefan.com contesting page. Doran Dickerson here, Pat Bostick, Jeff Hathorne, Nicholas Harry Callis behind the glass. Uh, Pat, I'll start with you. Is Brock Purdy a product of his environment? Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, he's also a good player, but you can be both. But yes, he's he's in a great situation. You've got Christian McCaffrey, you've got a great offensive line, you've got one of the better play callers in the in the NFL. You've got Debo Samuel, you've got Ayuk, you've got Kittle. He, he's in a great situation, and thus he's a product of it. This uh this brings me back to a horrible take from September when I thought, oh, they're gonna figure him out. They got a year of tape. I said on the same him. thing. Said the same thing. Thirty points later, he's pretty damn good. Yeah. Like you still have to make those. I mean, you could argue that Joe Montana was a product of a uh, system. Bill Walsh, yeah. but he still has to make the throws. Yeah, you, you know, no question. No, I, he's damn good player. But he's and for the value they got him for, he's he's a hell of an ROI for for San Francisco. But is he better than Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? No. If I am I giving him the ball down a field goal with. 45 seconds left and a timeout? No. <laughs> he's not in my top five in the NFL. But he's he, he's really good for that team. Put Kenny in a San Francisco 49er uniform. What does it look like? It's better. I mean, all of a sudden you're surrounding him with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brent, Ayuk, Kittle. I mean, and that offensive line? Yeah, I think, I think it's better. I, I'm not going to take anything away from Purdy. We've seen more from Purdy than we have from – from Kenny, so I'm not going to say it'd be as good, but it would be better. It'd be better. I think it'd be similar to Brock. Maybe I don't know. Brock just fits them, mm-hmm. so it's hard to it's hard to say, you know, what it looks like. But I definitely I agree with Jeff. I definitely think it's better. They just do things that make it easy for quarterbacks. You know, they're set up for success in that offense, and um, whereas I think Kenny's been, and they also have let Brock play. You know, they let him play. I mean, he's thrown for 300 yards several times. He's Wait, oh, Hold on. Explain that, though, real quick. You, you said that that offense is set up to make things easier for quarterbacks. In, in what ways? Like, they, 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 they complement each other. Plays lead to other plays. They marry the run game and the pass game. They run a lot of boots. And that, that's, that comes from his dad and Alex Gibbs and the, the zone run where, you know, you run the ball three times, you might get two yards of play, but it sets up a play action that you've got set up for that particular look, and the quarterback knows exactly what's coming, exactly what's coming. Um, and they, they build in easy completions. They get Debo the ball in space. They, I mean, it's not rocket science. Like, they're not doing, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, breaking news, you know, new offense that's, been, you know, just contrived from nothing. It's it's tried and true, but his timing's good. They call plays that that set up other plays and the communication with the quarterback the quarterback understands what they're trying to do and why they're doing it if you get to that level of understanding as a quarterback you play fast you play with confidence if you're just calling plays and the quarterback's just trying to find someone that's open and you're not really and I'm not saying the Steelers did that but there's not that level of understanding and why it you're going to get mixed results you you take all of that and then Purdy makes those he, – he's able in those situations to make those throws. There's something innate about guys, and we saw it from Kenny his rookie year. I mean, end of game, making throws, making plays, getting them down the field. I think Purdy has that. That's why I don't want to just yeah. discount and say, oh, Kenny couldn't do that. Well, I don't. we've seen him at times be able to do that when he's had the ability because the situation you have to make throws, he's made some throws. Yeah, no, I think um... – it's hard to. It's hard to. I don't want to take anything away from Brock Purdy because he's been really good, um, but I do. I do think that 
they are just set up for – they are set up around the quarterback there. They, they really are. Both sides of the ball, That they're just solid. And when you're able to run the football like they do with probably the best back in the league right now, it just – it opens things up for you. We saw it with Pittsburgh late in the year. You run the ball, you start hardball play action, and you start setting plays up where you've got guys one-on-one in space, and you're not throwing outbreaking routes into tight coverage constantly. I mean, how many contested comeback routes or outcuts did Kenny throw earlier in the year? You're, you're telling me that isn't taught? I, the ball just did not go across the middle of the field. Now, unless I learn differently, that's play calling. That's play design. That's philosophy. And that changed as the season went on. But it, it was a drip. The whole field's at San Francisco's disposal. So it's Dor- just a matter of where they want to attack. So, Dorn, how would Purdy do in the Steelers' offense? He would be just like everybody else. Uh, and I, I think it really comes down to Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan, and like Pat said, being very quarterback friendly, and he's always been like that. But also, Shanahan uses his weapons not just as one singular way of using him. Like, he doesn't treat a wide receiver as just a wide receiver. Oh, you're just going to run a post. You're just going to run a slant. You're just going to run an out route. You're just going to run a comeback. No, Debo, we're going to line you up in the backfield and then maybe sneak you out and you could run down the seam or run down the pipe as a running back. Or we're going to hand you the ball. Christian, you – hey, well, switch well, we spots. We had jet sweeps. Yeah, they had jet sweeps. Yeah, that's that'll work. Um, never. But <laughs> if you get creative, and that's what Shanahan does that I, I love – of it is, you know, George Kittle, okay, you're going to split out a little bit. And then you're going to run routes as a receiver. Uh, use check. We're, we're going to use you or you're going to lead block, and then you're going to slip out. In a fight. Like, they use their weapons as just athletes. Like, if, if you probably go into their meeting room, I bet you on their board of their depth chart, there's probably not a – there's probably not a two-letter uh, uh, signifying design towards those players. Like – Christian McCaffrey on their depth chart isn't an RB next to him. No. It's just Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. It's just Debo Samuel. It's they're just George ch- They're Kittle. chess pieces. Man. Yes. And that that's where I would, you know, my issue with, with the Steelers offense for the last couple of years has been, you know, are, are the plays bad? No. They're not running any plays that are not run across the NFL. Just watch the watch the play from snap to, to whistle. They're running a lot of the same route combinations, a lot of the same run schemes. But it's, you know, fans out there who say, I, I could call the play before. You know why? Their tendencies were so bad. There were plays they'd only run the ball out of certain formations. Then you knew when Jalen Warren went in motion out what was going to happen. They're throwing it. Like, throw a screen off of that. Bring him back in and hand the ball off. Do something that is going to counteract your tendencies so you're not predictable. Because if you're predictable in that league – Fast becomes faster. Whew. Those guys are flying, man. They're flying at you. And if they know what's coming, because they're so – these guys are there from dawn till dusk, man, learning your tendencies. And if you're predictable, if you're anywhere 60-40 in a, in a run-pass scenario, good luck to you, especially if you don't have dudes that can make, make be their own blockers or make their own plays. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a dude, and obviously Pitt basketball had a huge win over the weekend. We're going to talk about and hear from one player uh, that was significant in that win. And also, at 9 a.m., freshman point guard Jalen Lowe will join the show. We'll get his thoughts on the big win down in North Carolina over the weekend. North Carolina, they didn't play. They were in North Carolina. They played Duke. You guys get it.
Oh man, oh man. It was if, if you're it's not for the lighthearted, the things and the things I saw and heard, but you know, it's always First of all, no disrespect, honestly. This is the one of the hardest places to win in the nation. So that was just an example of you climbing Mount Everest and you just looking at it up from up top and saying, I did it. You know what I mean? Um, it's nothing but respect. I mean, you, you can get mad at it. That's just your opinion. But the way I look at it is respect to them. The 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. And that was Blake Henson after the big win against the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, you know, he jumps on the, the little stage there. He gives it to the fans. Um, in those moments, I mean, winning there since you know, the first win since 1979, I mean, you, you, you just felt for, uh, you know, the team and just how, how hard it is to win in that place like that and knowing where you were at and getting beat uh, by Duke the last time at home by 22 points and all these different things. So um, I have no problem with how Blake Henson celebrated. Um, I have no problem with it at all. And I thought that that was a very crucial win for what the Panthers uh, have their sights on moving forward. Yeah, and earlier in the game, he got a T for whatever it, th- that was, it was that he said, he- and the fans were on him. Yeah. I mean, once he did that, and and he also, I think, had four fouls, and wouldn't you get four fouls in there? Like, that place comes down on you. And I, I think the reason I don't have a problem with it is it was the pure elation of the moment. It wasn't pre-planned pre, pre uh, planned or ordained or anything nope, like that. No, not like, oh, I'm going to do this if we win. He wa- He just jumped up out of – excitement gave it back and then left hey put it this way i'd rather have that than somebody purposely tripping people and uh doing the thing duke's pretty you know grayson you're you're, you're not exactly (laughs) immune from having someone that is uh you know uh, from being disrespectful and i i would i would not call what blake did disrespectful i i think you see it in every level of sport right the the, yeah yes is it taunting is it you know braggadocious sure but yeah, at least it's not fundamentally against the spirit of the game, uh, as one of your marquee players did in, in the middle part of the last decade. So well, I, I don't really want to hear it from them. I saw one of the Cameron crazies go after the zoo and saying that, how would you guys react? And I'm thinking, you know what? If if that game meant so much that a team could finally get come into pit and win, and they got up on the stand and gave it to the zoo, that's exactly like Blake described it. That means that you're on the top of the mountain, and it's so special to win in this building that we, I have to give it to the fans and you'd like, it would sting in the moment, but you realize, damn, this brings up a point. Where do you guys stand on the rushing the court, rushing the field issue? Mm. Cause to this day, no one's rushed the court in the Peterson event center. I don't know if they do it, Duke. I, I don't think maybe they do. They're so close too. I, I, I don't know if at Carolina win, if they've ever, I want to say no that Shashevsky would have lost his mind. He he probably would have hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm this way. If it's a if, if it's a college game, and it's a big rival, and you win it, I'm I'm okay with it. I just worry about this day and age of just how fans act. Um, I mean, you see it, you know, week in and week out across all sports. Uh, in the stands, how fan fans act and snowballs. I mean, snow. I mean, look, you saw it last night. Snowballs and um, and that's just not today's age. I mean, in the seventies, I'm no, sure that in Cleveland too. and other places, right? I, I just, you know, I, I just think that if you let fans rush the field, there's going to be a fan that goes up to the opposing player and tries to start something or does something, and then that player's going to react, and then the player gets in trouble because they're trying to protect himself or do whatever. So I, I, I'm somewhat against it. I'm somewhat against it. 
when I was in college, 16-point comeback in the fourth quarter against LSU and stormed the field. It was awesome. But they determined there was still one play left. Oh, boy. And it was a knee. The so band's they, on the field. So, so they had to separate. And here, myself and some other guys, freshmen in college, on the LSU sideline. And we're just like – and we're next to this huge lineman who could have just taken all of us out. Like with one swing, like James Harrison like, like, did to that one fan from the yeah, uh, the Browns. Right. All, all four of us, he could just cut it one swing, and we all would have been down. But kudos to him for keeping his cool. But that's the other part part of it that I realized you get hurt, right? And if it's if it's a player that's not as understanding of the moment, I mean, what if a player took a swing at a fan? Yeah, right. Close well, line of fan coming in and you're they got about seriously assault. hurt. You're talking about problems. Exactly. Google, I got a message from Steve Masseri. You know Steve. Oh yeah. Khalid Elamin from a UConn back at the field house, hit a game winner, jumped yep. on the scorer's table in the field house. So, come on now. It's all, it's all good. Yeah, that, it's all good. It's sport. It is. I mean, Blake Henson and, and Crown and I talked about this before, about a couple weeks ago. Blake Henson, in, for, in order for Pitt to win games, he has to be on. Um, Crowley said this in the beginning of the year. Most of the games that Pitt plays this year, Blake Henson – and Pitt will have one of the best players on the court, and Blake Henson's that guy. And if Blake Henson's on, you beat Duke. If he's off, you probably have a tough chance of winning basketball games. So for him going 7-for-7, seven seven, that's one of the reasons why uh, Pitt beat Duke. And another reason why is a guy that we're going to talk to next, Jalen Lowe, freshman point guard for the Pitt Panthers, will join the show. We'll get his thoughts on the big win against Duke and what the rest of the season looks like for the Pitt Panthers. First, fan weather. Brought to you by Sun Chevy. 2024 starts with great incentives on the Trailblazer, Blazer, Equinox, and Silverado. SunChevy.com today, high of 35, low of 12 with some overcast. Tomorrow, high of 39, low of 31 with overcast as well.